2: flyweight champion of the world.
0: This is Fast Eddie Chambers and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man Joey Coastman.
2: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 378 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by good friend of mine. Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers, former heavyweight world title challenger. How are you doing this week, my man?
0: I'm doing good, man. How about you?
2: Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Um, it's going to be, I guess, a bit of a short show, really. I'm um, going to dive straight into the review part of the show, as always. Just one card to go over. Um, Tremaine Williams' fight. Uh, that was set to take place in Ghana, ended up falling through last minute. Surprise, surprise. So just the one card to go over. It took place at the Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. Uh, I think it was live on Showtime pay-per-view. Let's go to the undercard firstly. Um, Going to start here with former world champion Lamont Peterson, 35-6. and 6. With a draw, he was T K O'd in round four against Michael Agundo. Eddie, you've you've unmuted. Uh, uh, I'm guessing you probably oh, saw a wow. clip. Did you see that or not? No,
0: I didn't. Oh my goodness. Oh shit! No. Uh uh-uh.
2: oh. What happened? Okay, so yeah, like I say, Lamont Peterson coming back to the ring after almost four years out of it. Um, gets knocked out by Michael Agundo, who's now 17-16. and 16. Michael Agundo picks wow. up his first win there. Um, well, put it this way, he'd won one fight in his last nine prior to that. And that was against a guy who was 0-18. Honestly, one of the biggest upsets of the year. And we're only a few days in. It could potentially be the winner. Um, I know that, obviously, wow. Peterson come back from that inactivity, Eddie, but um, yeah, I mean, How'd this was, I didn't see it. I, saw, see I it? saw the stoppage. Oh, no. I saw the stoppage. I think he was I think down. I think he was down. He got back up and then, you know, he um, took a few good shots and the referee jumped in, but he was all over the place. I mean, that's that's got to be it. Anthony Peterson was supposed to be on the card. His fight fell through. Uh, I bet Lamont Peterson probably wishes his fight had fallen through, but this was a guy... Yeah. Eddie, who was stopped in two rounds by Montana Love, um, you know, just to draw wow. comparisons, stopped in two rounds by Edward Troyanovsky, uh, stopped in one round by Cameron Crow, who, you know, is not a fantastic mm. fighter, I think he's about 14 and I think he's got more losses than wins these days actually, but yeah, anyway. To put it into into perspective, an unbelievable upset there, and I should also also mention this guy is forty years of age, so he's older than Lamont Peterson. Five foot six Kenyan.
1: Wow,
0: wow. There's just nothing else I can say to it. I, I, it it just it just shows that you know, when you're gone for how long? How long was he out for? About
2: almost four years.
0: years. So. When you've been, when you stepped away so much, you know, for so long, and obviously look at me, I'm doing the same thing. But when you step away for so long, it's not even so much that he didn't have enough or there's nothing left so much as that. It's just sometimes when you step away, you lose that animalistic, uh, uh, you know, mentality. And that, that, even though I'm a nice guy, yeah, those instincts are like, it's just, it's not the same. So, you know, your, your mind's not right going in there. You're, you're, you're completely domesticated. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, it's like a domesticated lion or something and going in there. And then, I mean, I don't know if that's the same thing. Cause you know, they'll always revert back, but it's just so unfortunate, man. I hate to hear, I hated, I hate to hear that. You know what I mean? It's just, it's disappointing. And then it's like making me like, Oh, wait a second. What the hell going on? <laughs> I'm about to have somebody that even got a pulse. Because I ain't taking no chances, man. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it it is what it is. Sometimes things like this happen.
2: Yeah, like I say, uh, Lamont Peterson stopped there in round four. It was only a six-rounder. And, um, yeah, stopped there in round four against the 40-year-old Michael Agundo, um, whose nickname is Tyson. Uh, Five foot six, this guy is from Kenya, based in Massachusetts. Wow, an absolute shocker there. And definitely a contender for upset of the year. I'm sure I'll be mentioning it again as a shortlist, if not the winner, at the end of the year. Um, Moving up the card, prospect Brandon Lee now 27-0. A TKO for him in round four against Diego Luque, who's now 21-11 with two draws. Um, yeah, like I say, fourth round TKO. I expected Brandon Lee to get another knockout win. Good prospect carries on, um, impressing every fight. Really, Demetrius Andrade now thirty-two and oh, a unanimous decision for him over ten rounds in his first fight up at super middleweight against Demon Nicholson, big puncher, twenty-six and five with a draw. Now Demon Nicholson, this was a fight that I. You know, did not think was would be competitive beforehand. Some people did. Um, you know, I don't think the bookies even thought it was going to be competitive. Obviously, Andrade was the massive favourite. But um, yeah, I expected Andrade to win on points. Obviously, his first fight up at the weight, not really known for his power across any of his weight classes. But you know, you got to remember this guy was at one fifty four now, um, now at one sixty eight. Obviously, stopped off at one sixty as well for a while. Um, so yeah, I didn't expect him to knock out Damon Nicholson, who I think had actually been stopped more times than not in his losses column, um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's weird with Nicholson, sometimes he's, he's, he shows a good beard, he showed a good beard against Edgar Belanga and so on, so I didn't think Andre would stop him, and to be honest with you, the odds on that for Andre to win on points, you could almost double your money just there, um, but yeah, not not many times in the past can we say that An Andrade fight was particularly exciting. I felt, though, this one did have its moments. I mean, I love when we see Demetrius Andrade on the front foot, you know, because he obviously can fight going backwards and going forwards. And a lot of the time, he does like to sit back. And um, he's not very aggressive. But when he comes forward... (laughs) <laughs> He's a really exciting fighter, I think, Eddie. Um, I'll get your opinion as well, but he was just way too classy for Nicholson. Um, Andrade did go down, we should mention, in round five. It was ruled a slip. It was a bit of a weird one. Andrade definitely wasn't hurt, but he was kind of hit with a straight right hand to the belly button, it looked, and he went down. Um, Never a shot that would naturally uh, put you down, especially as it kind of landed as he was taking a step backwards. So I initially did think it was probably a slip, um, in reflection, it might have been slightly, maybe a push, but yeah, Andrade. Um, when I when I watched that replay, was crouching down a bit too low, and uh, as the punch landed, so it was a bit of a difficult one to call. But like I said, it didn't give it a knockdown, and I think he won every round. I think it was a shutout in the end. Too good for Nicholson.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I was uh, me and Ant were meeting at a place to go watch the fight and it took me a lot longer not a lot longer but it took me a little longer than expected to get there you know with parking and all that so by the time I got up there I actually didn't get a chance to see that when I came so you're not good at parking home. your new car yeah I'm great at parking it but <laughs> it just so happens it just so happens that I wasn't I well you know there was a line at the lot at the at the lot too so it kind of threw me off but um I heard about how the fight looked and you know he, you know what he did. I saw like a couple, a uh, couple of the replays. I'm gonna actually watch it because I wanted, I wanted to see him. That's one of the fights I wanted to see. Um, but I came in on the Rashidi Ellis fight.
2: Okay. Is
0: when I, is when I, is when I started watching. But, um, you know, just in watching Demetrius Andrew before, I mean, he's, he's, he's an extremely talented dude. You know, 168. Uh, you know, gives him the freedom of not having to worry about the weight as much, so he can come in strong. He's already started from, he's you know, he's been at a lower weight, so he's probably a bit faster, the pays a little bit faster. So I expect good things from him at those weights, but there's going to be some uh, some challenges. There's some good guys up there, so I'm just looking forward to what's going to happen in the future with him.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting take. Obviously, a great fighter, and like I say, when he's on the front foot, I think that's when we see the best of him. Um, but yeah, there's some fights that I'm not sure are safe fights for him. Obviously, the likes of Caleb Plant's a tough fight for him. Uh, David Benavidez, Callum Smith, those kind of guys. Big, big guys. Um, yeah, they, they're going to be challenging, man. Um, anyway, moving up to that fight that you just mentioned. Rashidi Ellis now 24-1. and Heartbreak for him. A majority decision loss over 12 rounds to um, Ramon Villa, who's now 26-1. and um, I thought that Ellis would win on points but I decided to just keep it safe and bet on him to win just by any method but I wanted to cover myself because I'd seen that Villa had 20 four wins by knockout out of his 25 wins, so I thought he could perhaps land one, and maybe he'll knock him out. He was about a 10-1 to shot to get the knockout, so I just put something small on him to cover me. But there's no way in the world I felt that Villa would actually get the decision, because I thought if it's going to go the distance, Ellis is going to be too classy for him. But I was wrong. And um, yeah, Villa manages to get the majority decision. Um, It was a fight in which... Most people felt Ellis um, boxed really well at the beginning and up to the midway point. And then Villa started to come on strong, which I don't think many people expected. Um, Obviously managed to drop Ellis late on. Um, Am I right in saying he might have gone down twice, I think, in one round? I can't remember exactly what round that was now, but it it closened up the scorecards. But still... I think most people yeah. felt Ellis deserved to just nick it, but um yeah, heartbreak for him. I mean those those knockdowns um he did well to get up from the first one actually. It was a huge shot. But um yeah, I mean he loses there. Those knockdowns obviously that ten seven round cost him the fight.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah he actually
2: got dropped twice in twelve. Oh, it was um, a twelve and final, okay.
0: Yeah, I think he got twelve yeah, it was twelve and twelve. Hey, me and me and we both there watching it. I mean, and I said the same thing, because we saw the first six, seven rounds, how he was, you know, jabbing sharp, and he was looking great, speed, you could see it, and I was like, "Yo." Oh. And then we saw the guy come on a little bit, and I think it was the sixth, I mean, the, the eighth round maybe, seventh, eighth round maybe toward the end, we seemed kind of like start to come on a little bit. And you could see that Ellis was a little bit like, uh, you know, not tired, but stressed. You understand what I'm saying? Like he was really going through. Like, like eventually it was going like his, his tank was going to start to get a little empty. So me and Ed both said, man, by the ninth, tenth round, ninth round, I think we we said he's gonna be in a real fight. Show sure enough. Ninth round comes. He was just trying to survive. It seemed like one of those rounds. Like he he was he was the guy was on his tail the entire time, and I think. And, I, and, and we were watching, I think, the 11th round, I think. Was it the 11th? One of those rounds. And, you know, I think uh, I think uh, Steve Farhad gave to uh, Rashidi Ellis, and I was saying that's a close round. If they give it to Via, Roman Via, right? Yeah. Then he could win possibly, not necessarily win, but he could be, could be a draw. The, the scorecard, especially with those two knockdowns in that last round. And we knew it, and I knew it was going to happen. I could see it because Rashidi Ellis was working so hard early on, all them flashy shots and all the movement, different stuff he was doing. It wasn't like he was doing it and embossing the distance so much going forward and holding the guy off with his power. He couldn't keep him off with the power, even though he did kind of buzz him at one point. He couldn't keep him off him. So when that happened, it was like, I mean, the knockdown came not so much as a shock to me. And it was like, I, I was just hoping for Rashid Ellis that he was able to finish. You know what I mean? Because the guy was on him, and he dropped him again at the end. And I was thinking, if any of those cards were flipped, because there was like a round or two that was close, it was up in the air that could have went to him or Rashidi Ellis, if you decide to give it to him, there's possibly, possibly a draw in there. Because I still thought Rashid Ellis probably should have got the card, got the decision. But it was so close that, if you know, with the, with those knockdowns and, and that one round, it was a flip round, mm. and then show enough, I was watching, I was looking at the decision, I was like, hey, why should they get it this, get that fight to this guy? And show enough, they called it out, I was like, yo, it was a shock, but it wasn't a shock, you ever heard, you ever heard those kind of, kind of things, if that makes sense, but it was, it, it, it just, I knew it could happen, and then it did and I was like, damn, it's crazy because just me watching the fight and watching how hard he was working, I was like, what goes up must come down. And the way he fights and he doesn't really have a lot of pop, like a a whole bunch of power, is going to be tough toward the end for him. And sure enough, that's what happened. Via gets the decision. That was crazy, though.
2: Yeah, it really was. And for some reason, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but I mix up two fighters massively. Like, if I haven't seen much of you and there's another fighter that I haven't seen much of. Sometimes I just merge them together. So for some mad reason, I I don't know why this happens, but I have completely confused. Um, <laughs> it's so embarrassing. They're not even in the same weight class, but I've completely confused Rashidi Ellis with Raees Alim, and I do not know why. But um, yeah, I've I've got them two as one person, and I was like, damn, he lost. Like he was like world ranked and stuff, and then I'm like, wait. Wait no, <laughs> so it's a bit mad, but I think Aleem's like a super bantamweight, so embarrassing for me. Um, but yeah, tough, tough stuff there for Rashidi Ellis moving up the card once again. Geronenis Eddie, um, now thirty and um, doesn't get the knockout this time. Of course, he gets a win unanimously over twelve rounds for the interim IBF world welterweight title against Karen Chukadzian, who's now twenty one and two, um. Ooh, how do I approach this one? I mean, I think, Eddie, on last week's show, you said it probably wouldn't go past two or three rounds. I said, I believe I actually made the statement, I would put my house on him to win this fight by knockout. It's definitely going to happen. I went and bet on him to win within six, within four, and I think even within one and two. And obviously, unbelievably, he goes the distance. Now, three things I want to um, get into. Um, one, if this was Virgil Ortiz putting in this performance and going the distance, I know there's a little bit of a, um, you know, there's a bit of an expectancy with Ortiz more than there is Ennis in terms of getting the knockout, because Ortiz has got that 100% streak and you know for that reason we expect him to win by knockout every single time some people think Ennis is better whatever it doesn't really matter but we expect a knockout machine with a 100% knockout uh, ratio to get the knockout every time um, Ennis obviously you know 29 fights in so he's had about 10 more than all tees but um, he also is well up there with the knockouts I think he had about 27 ko's so Doesn't have 100%, but close enough. But again, he's not in a position where we expect a a stunning knockout every single time he's in the ring. So for him to not get the knockout here, I'm just wondering, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit here, just wondering what the people would be saying if this was Virgil Ortiz. Because for me, it was a very underwhelming performance from Ennis. Um, Chakadzian, although he, I don't know, there seems to be a lot of people saying, oh, he was moving around the ring running, I felt. Obviously, he was on his feet a lot. But a lot of the time, he was standing in front of Ennis. And there was times where they were trading. Um, Ennis got the better of it. I don't think I gave... I probably didn't give Chikadzian a round. I don't think his punch output was was very good or very high. But Ennis was... uh, it's, It's a massive thing in boxing, man. Especially for someone who can punch like he does and all the fundamentals that he's got. I didn't think he did a great job at all of closing... Uh, or, or sh- what's the word? Yeah, closing. I've completely lost it. Um, cutting off the cutting off the ring. You know, he, he yeah, did I was supposed to cut off yeah, the ring. Not, I, my mind did a did a fart there. Um, I I, I completely <laughs> lost what it was. But yeah, his cutting off the ring was just not there.
0: And 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 I, there was a lot of there was a lot of heat and hate going toward him because, you know, it's the. Why you hate me? You don't, <laughs> it's like, don't hate me because I'm beautiful type of thing. You know what I mean. Whereas, people there's a lot of people out there hearing a lot of things, and you know there's a lot of people that probably don't like it. You know what I mean. Like there's certain trainers, there's certain people who have fighters that are around, you know, around that weight, and it's like, ah oh, man, he ain't done nothing. He ain't fought this guy, he ain't fought that guy. and They don't really want to give him that anointing of being the next great thing. Just off of who he's faced, which I understand, but the difficulty of and I and I was saying this on the on on uh, with Ant we were talking about it. We actually had another uh, podcast we were doing uh, t- together, and a lot of people are hate are, are oh he did, he did this, he didn't do that, he he should have done this, and and it was like crazy expectations for it, uh, rightfully so. But when the when that got, and and don't and. Let me give this guy credit. He was really good defensively and had really good footwork and understood range very well. His problem was when he got in there, he realized, I can't win. Regardless of what most people may think, he got in there and realized, I can't win this fight. I'm going to do the best I can while I'm here, but I'm going to survive. He was moving a hell of a lot. For a person that wanted to win, he was moving too much. It's like, if you look at Arizlandi Lara, even Arizlandi Lara, when he moved and he was doing his thing, you know, in the past, and a lot people say, oh, he runs, he does all this. He was still putting his hands on the guy. This guy was throwing punches. It was so rare that Boots would run into the shots because he wasn't expecting them to throw any punches because that was just how the fight was going it just it's it's so unreal you know the the, the hate and the fact that he got based off of that performance i'm not saying it was the the greatest showing that he's ever had but he won every minute of every round it was very rare that he had any moments in the fight that um he was he was second best you know what i mean and and it's just unfortunate that even though i like I admit there were some, you know, problems with the range, but the reason is, is because regardless of whether a guy's throwing punches or not, you still have to kind of honor the fact that there's a possibility the guy's going to throw a punch, and then you also have to understand this dude's, this guy's footwork was pretty damn good. He's a professional for one, but he really he proved something to me. You know that guy is not only was he, he, had, he had a pretty good chin also because he took some shots. But he also really, really understood range. He really knew how to move. He knew how to get to the open uh, side. He knew how to get to uh, to a safety zone. His head was put in the right place, uh, for, you know, mo- in multiple different scenarios. Whereas I don't think there's a lot. I don't think that there's guys that are, you know, you know, revered as one of the top guys or the top guy, or some of the top guys would be able to p- compete defensively like he did in that fight you know what i mean so i think i don't want to say it's unfair because there's a lot of there's a lot of high praise for boots including myself and and a lot of other guys that i know of and and we you know most for 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 the most part most of us so i'm, I'm not going to say it wasn't something that was below par for a guy like him and in that situation however if Anyone else gave that performance against that guy and did what he did and won every moment of the round, there would be no complaints. But then again, like I said, he's basically talked about as the next big thing. So, you know, him not getting a knockout on on a guy who's virtually unknown does look bad. But that's but you don't fight on paper; you fight in the ring. So this guy came out and understood what it was what it was what he needed to do to survive. He made it a very, he made himself a very difficult target. And and he was sharp and ready to go. It just, you know, and, and unfortunately for Booz, he, he, you know, he had to deal with that. And you can see some of the, it was so much, he and there was so much pressure on him to do well that he was trying to do different things. He was practicing different things, working, trying to figure out something to do to get this guy out of there. Even there was at times, the guy was moving so much that he actually reached out and tried to hold the guy there, you know what I mean? So he can get some shots off, but you know, it's just unfortunate. You know, I think he's still, you know, the best prospect in the world at this point, he's not a prospect anymore. He's a contender. So he's one of the best contenders in the world. And pretty soon he's going to have an opportunity to prove it against the top guys. But up to this point, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to say, Hey, I don't think he's what he was saying. He was going, you know, everybody says he's going to be, you know, off of one performance. And I've seen that. I've seen many, so many people say different things like that about great fighters and it's fine. You know what I mean? He's just going to have to find a way to prove it and look better next time.
2: We'll see. We'll see. You know, now still only about, two to three recognisable names on that record. He does now hold the interim IBF world title. Unfortunately, it looks like the Errol Spence fight isn't going to be happening, um, you know, any time in the very near future. Um, Errol Spence obviously moving to 154 for his next fight. It looks like he's going to be taking on Keith Furman and then moving back down. Obviously, that Terence Crawford fight is there. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just think you put Chakadzian in with Spence, in in with Crawford, in with Virgil Ortiz. I don't know if it goes twelve. Maybe
0: I would say I would say with Spence, probably maybe not, depending. But it's when I see this is the thing that people don't understand: footwork and movement. If he utilizes that kind of movement with any of those guys, with the idea of just going the distance, you know how hard it is to stop someone who does not, who just doesn't want to get stopped. It is extreme. I've, I've. I've had to deal with this on the way up in a six-round fight, you know, to let alone a 12, but a six-round fight. And, and even in, a, you were, remember, you were at one, Joe, and, a, and there was a guy by the name of uh, Marcelo Nascimento. Been knocked out, even, in fact, after that fight, he got knocked out by uh, Dillian White. He was so intent on not being stopped that literally there might have been in that fight, three minutes of the entire fight, and I think it was an eight-rounder, that he didn't clinch me. He had his arms around me almost the entire fight, and what times he didn't, he was moving away. And he had reasonable punching power. So I had to be, I couldn't just walk straight in. Mm-hmm. And there was a time that I ran into a right hand because I was just trying to get him out of there. Because all the pressure, I gotta knock him out. I gotta knock him out. I gotta knock him out. And that's the thing that people forget about this whole this whole fight with Boots as well is that you have to knock him out. You have to knock him out. You have to knock him out. You, it's 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 unreal. It's unrealistic pressure that you that you have put on yourself or that people have put on you too. And for you to get in there and that's all you're trying for is going to hurt your performance. That's a fact.
2: I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm just saying I don't think Chikazian goes the distance with those three, but whatever. It is what it is. Main event time. Gervonta Tank Davis now 28-0. and Another knockout for him. He did deliver round nine the TKO against Hector Luis Garcia. It's now 16-1. and It was for the WBA lightweight world title. I think that was um, Davis's title. Um, I didn't think there was any belt on the line, actually, but obviously it says that there was, so there must have been. Um, do you know what? I... I know it was just the other day, but I my memory of this fight is not really there. I can't really remember. I mean, um, obviously Javante. Yeah, I remember the stoppage. Obviously, it come to an end so quick, you know. And he, I think he he gone back to the wrong corner at one point, and they did the right thing to obviously stop it. Um, they mm. stopped it in between rounds, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He said, actually he stopped it. He, he said, no, nah, I'm uh, good." Was it him? Okay. Okay, because yeah. I know I know he didn't speak um, like proper English, but obviously you you're so good at speaking Spanish these days, so you must have picked that <laughs> up. But um no, yeah, I, but no he, he, he took corner. some absolute bombs, Eddie, and it looked like at one point he was just going to be taking them all night. But obviously they did eventually catch up with him. Um, but yeah, yeah, I can't remember m- the majority of the fight. It was late, you know. I can't remember it.
0: Yeah, you were probably tired. It was definitely late for you. But, yeah, well, you know, early on, he was doing well. You know, timing different shots. You could tell it. You could see the amateur background. You know, he was about to have about 400 amateur fights. You could see he's a talented dude. He understood range. He was tough. Smart, really smart fighter. Good IQ. You know what I mean? Really good IQ. Um, But you could just see the cream rising to the top as the fight went on. And uh, Tank was just too explosive and too fast for him. You know what I mean? After, after you know, the first three to four rounds, you, started ta- you see Tank start landing those quick combinations. You know, and then I remember, I think it was six or seven, that he landed a hell of a quick, nice, sharp combination. It was like, damn. And the guy took the shots really well. He didn't, he didn't you know, look like he was going to, you know, waver. And I was thinking, like, oh, he might have a long night with this guy, you know, because the guy, like I said, the guy was doing some good, landed some good shots. He actually landed one on the back of the head, overhand kind of like left he threw and Tank tried to I guess tried to like you know kind of uh, shoulder rod it and got caught with it on the back of the head but I mean for the most part uh, uh, he was doing really well early but Tank as the fight went on he started really like you could see like the speed just the, the, even the jab and remember these are two southpaws so it's an awkward thing for a Southpaw to fight a guy that fits, you know, fits pretty even with them. Uh, you know, and you know, Southpaw for Southpaw, is kind of like righty versus righty, but Southpaws almost never fight left-handed guys. So it's, so a, a Southpaw is more weird for another Southpaw than for a right-handed fighter. So there was things that really impressed me about tank two in there is being that he doesn't fight many Southpaws, obviously, he was doing a hell of a job shoulder rolling straight left hands from the guy and then coming back with his own and then check check hook in and things like that, which, like I said, is not normally a thing he'll do because him, you know, normally being a, uh, he's a southpaw fighting a right-hander most of the time. So it was really impressive how he was able to adapt to fighting a southpaw, but not only a southpaw, a really good, high IQ talented southpaw it's just it, he, he really upped his game you could just see Tank is Tank is the full package I, I I still don't know if he can he'll be able to do that to Shakur or even Devin Haney quite like that but um he always has that eraser and that, that explosive speed too so I mean he'll be in any of these fights I mean it's just it, it was it was a it was a really good performance I think Tank showed the class. I think he was the class of the whole show. I think he was he, it was he was the main event for the reason for a reason and he really showed it. It was a hell of a performance in my opinion.
2: Well there we go. That brings the review part to a close in part one Eddie's done more talking than me which I think is probably the only time that's ever happened. So there we go. Ah! Pearls <laughs> Pearls of wisdom. He's finally um he's finally um actually doing some some work here. I mean he's got that new car because of the podcast (laughs) it's finally (laughs) doing some work (laughs) damn right (laughs) Uh, just kidding of course but that wraps up part one the final thing for me to do in this part is to welcome this week's special guest ladies and gentlemen please welcome the former middleweight world title challenger It is, of course mr liam williams liam welcome back on the show my man and happy new year to you hello mate happy new year hope everything's well with you um yeah, mate. Uh all, all good all good thanks yeah. No problem, my man. Good to have you back on. So Liam, we last spoke in December twenty twenty one. It was a few weeks before the Eubank fight. Um let's just touch on that briefly. What what seemed to go wrong there, Liam? I was really quite surprised with how the fight played out.
1: Yes, mate. Um you know, obviously, um, you know, going off the result it didn't go the way we wanted it to, but um it was you know I hate to say this, really, because I, I'm not one to make excuses, and I don't like going that way about things, but, um, you know, I, I just didn't perform that night, um, I did have some things which were bothering me in the, the lead-up to the fight and whatnot, which um, which obviously I'm, I'm not actually going to tell people that before the fight, am I, so, um, yeah, you know, it was, um, I feel, I honestly feel that I could have beat Eubank if I was at my best,
2: but, uh, yeah, it just weren't it just my night really. And my last real question on the Eubank fight obviously, I wanted to ask what was his power like because some of those shots that you were down off it's easy for me to say from my sofa, but they didn't necessarily look like massive shots. I could be wrong.
1: No, you're you bang on me to be honest, with you and um, and that's that's part of the reason why why I just said to you things going wrong in the lead up and stuff. Um like i haven't really told many people but i'm, I'm guessing you know it's going to get out there now. Anyway. But um so basically i was i was sparring um for yeah maybe like four weeks before the fight and um and i took an elbow in the head and i had concussion um I, and i was i was still carrying that into the fight which which explains you know the way i was going down and stuff um I was I was getting put down off, off not very big shots at all to be honest with you and and I weren't actually hurt but you just just scrambling my senses and you know I, I weren't quite with it as as many people probably would have seen unnoticed.
2: Oh man, that's that's well you know that's that's, that's a real shame because yeah it didn't look like you in there but um no thanks for clearing that up um gutted for you there. Yeah um, and to be honest you made this sound.
1: is it you know I don't I don't want any. Uh, you know, feeling sorry for me. I, I don't give a shit about that because, you know, it, it was my, it was my choice. I I got told directly, um, you shouldn't really fight. It's, you know, it's not really ideal. It's probably even a little, even a little bit dangerous, you know. Yeah. Um, but me, me being me, no, fuck that. I'm gonna fight anyway so, Just um, just just one of them things, mate. You know, I I don't. I don't regret that probably if I go back I'd probably do it all again but you know that's, that's just
2: me <laughs> and again when we last spoke you were training under Adam Booth I, I'm i going to misquote you slightly but you said something to the nature of Adam Booth was I think you said like the best trainer you've ever trained with however obviously after that um, you decided to part ways with him you went back to where it all began with Gary Lockett uh, back in Wales what happened there Liam?
1: Yeah mate and, and I still stand by them comments to be honest I think I'm um, Adam Booth is, if if not, you know, the best in Britain. He's he's certainly one of them, along with, I believe, my current trainer, which is Gary Lockett. Obviously, I always rated Gary in it because you know I was with him for years before I moved elsewhere. Um, I just think the main thing for me was I I needed to take it back to basics, and um, it started becoming a bit of a bit of a chore for me. Um, Bit of a chore for me. I wasn't enjoying myself. Um I was away from home all the time.
2: Um yeah, and it's it become it, it wasn't enjoyable for me anymore, you know. No, I understand that. Um we've se- we haven't always seen people leave Adam Booth's gym and remain on good terms, unfortunately, but are you guys cool? Yeah, very good man. I, I still speak to Adam. Um, good, good. um the the reason why we don't
1: you know, I, I wouldn't have left on bad terms anyway. But I think part of the reason why, you know, we still friends and stuff is I think he kind of, I think he understood my situation. Um, obviously, I thought he was a great trainer. I enjoyed being there with him and the boys, all, um, all good boys and great company and whatnot. But just, I just needed to get back to myself and, you know, get back home. train. I was really, I was unhappy really.
2: Yeah. No, I understand that. That's that's fine. Um, yeah, so as you say, needed a bit of a reset kind of thing. Going back to basics as well uh, with, with Gary Lockett. You did close the year on a high, though, by stopping Nizar Tremech. Now, um, those who may not know who Trimec is, obviously not the most known name in boxing, but just to put it into perspective, uh, Trimec drew with Kamil Seremeta in Poland, which usually indicates in meta's backyard that he probably did enough to win, and meta had only been beaten in the past by Munguia and Golovkin, uh, so Trimec as well. Uh, you know put in a good performance there and his only stoppage defeat prior to your fight with him was when he got stopped um, in Russia by Pavel Silyagin Silyagin uh, pulled him up to super middleweight as well for that one and got him out in six rounds you got him out in just two rounds um, so yeah a bit of a backstory there but is that what you needed Liam to not only end the year on a high but to bounce back positively from the Eubank fight
1: yeah mate definitely um, as you said like you know, I, I watched that fight with, um, oh shit, I forgot his name again. No, was the again. Uh,
2: no um, the Polish, uh, ah, Seremeta,
1: Seremeta, yeah, that's the one, sorry, um, yeah, Camilo Seremeta. He, I, I watched that fight, and and Nizar, uh, the you know, the guy I boxed, he he would have beat him, and the other guy had a bit of a you know, lucky favoured because he was at home and whatnot. Um, yeah, he he would have beat him anywhere else in the world, I believe. Uh, so yeah, but you know, going back to your question, it's like I I do think I needed I was a little bit of a little bit of a reset for me. It was the first one, um, you know, whilst being back with Gary. Uh, yeah, it was just it was a nice way to, to finish the year, you know.
2: And just coming down to my final few questions, I want to try and whiz through these. I know we're we're, we're strapped for time a bit. What is next on your radar, Liam? Obviously, you're still world-ranked with the WBC, of course, but what's the immediate plan for this year? Uh, I'm not too sure, man. I'm open the
1: box, I'm on the box maybe late March, April. I'm not really totally sure, if I'm honest, but um, I know it's going to be sometime within the next two to three months. Um. I don't know who I don't know where but th- there is a little bit of talks I think maybe regarding Felix Cash um, there's another one oh shit Uh Ot- Williams okay. I think I think some- some- something's been mentioned there I think that will be a good fight um, you know he's obviously coming through and they're giving him a bit of a push uh, yeah I think I-, I think there's a lot of a lot of good challenges there, definitely.
2: Yeah, I was, I was actually going to ask what you thought of the current crop in the UK coming through at the moment. Obviously, the likes of Hamza Shiraz, Denzel Bentley, Felix Cash. I was going to ask if maybe you felt you might be slightly above where they're at the
1: minute. 100%. I think, um, I think the middleweights are on fire at the moment. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of good people there at a good level and also coming through. Um, yeah, it's, in terms of them fights, like they're all good fights to be honest with you, but me personally, I, I don't know whether you or anybody else would agree, I, I think I'm slightly above that, I think you know they probably need a couple more fights, I think I've boxed a higher level and, and probably deserve to be boxing a higher level at the moment.
2: Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. And of course, I must ask—you've shared the ring with both Chris Eubank Jr. and Liam Smith. They'll be clashing January twenty-first. I can't think of anyone better to ask on how the fight will go. Um, I got a feeling. Um, I got a feeling Smith.
1: Smith is going to pull it off because, um, you know, he's very gritty, uh, gritty and um, and cutsy. You know, he really puts in a good shift every fight. Um works well to the body I don't think Eubank takes the best body shot um, yeah I, I just think the, the work rate and determination will, uh, I personally think is going to edge it for Smith
2: ok and will you be tuning in? yes Smith I will
1: I'm, I'm hoping I might even be there to, to watch live lovely lovely
2: it's a fight that me personally I just can't see a knockout I think it a million percent goes the distance I don't know how you feel about that yeah I think it's going to go the distance as well
1: yeah. um, I, I can't really see any anyone being knocked out or stopped by each
2: other you know yeah me neither and just finally Liam if you've got any closing words just to the listeners uh, we haven't had you on just over a year um, like I say great to have you back on if you want to close out this interview with any message um, take it away my man
1: yeah no just just, um, just a basic message made. thanks for everyone supporting obviously continued support and um. There's, there's a lot more to come, so keep
2: keep tearing in. Absolutely. Listen, Liam, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my man. I appreciate your time and your honesty. Thanks again for coming on and we'll speak soon.
1: Thanks very much, mate. Take care.
2: Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. We're going to start here with this one. Um, Boxer have announced this card. It's going to be taking place February the 11th at the OVO Wembley Arena. Um, Adam Azim gets in with the undefeated South American Santos Reyes, who's 12-0 with three KOs. On the undercard of that fight, obviously live on Sky Sports, we're going to see Caroline Dubois get in with Yamila um abella nader who is 15 and 5 with a draw we're also going to see a really good fight for the english middleweight title between tyler denny coming off that brilliant win against bradley ray uh, he gets in with brad paul's who's undefeated 16 and 0 um vidal riley on the card as well there so again the date for that is february the 11th for saturday um Elsewhere, we have this one as well. It's been announced by Matrim. We're going to see... This is just the following week after that one. February 18th, we're going to see Lee Wood getting with Maurizio Lara there for Wood's WBA featherweight world title. Oh, boy. It's going to be a crazy fight, that one. Um, It goes down in Nottingham. Um, I think it's a fight we all knew was, you know, due to be announced soon. It is is now official. And, um, yeah, it's just going to be a mad fight. I think... um, it's a tough one really for lee wood i don't think it's like a lose-lose kind of fight really i think for him but yeah hopefully he's getting paid enough it should be exciting while it lasts. he was you know he was he was in fight of the year 2022 being dropped and coming back maybe uh, we'll, we'll see what he can do against Maurizio lara um and yeah on the on the undercard of that fight as well Uh, We're going to see a a couple good fights. We're going to see Dalton Smith getting in with Billy Allington. That's a defense of his British super lightweight title. Uh, We're also going to see Gary Cully get in with Wilfredo Flores from the USA, who's 10-0 with one draw. That's for the vacant WBA Intercontinental. We're going to see Chivon Clark, or Chevon Clark. I've forgotten how it's said. 4-0, 4 KOs. He gets in with Dex Spellman. That's a good step up there for just his fifth fight. Really big fan of that one. Uh, We're going to see Gamal Yafai. Um, get in with Diego Alberto Ruiz. I've definitely seen that name somewhere else. Oh gosh, I've got a feeling that he might have sprung an upset over someone. Could be wrong. Diego Alberto Ruiz, I'll look at that in a minute, against Gamal Yafai. We're going to see Kieran Conway get in with Jorge Silva of Portugal. Um, that's about it really for, for that undercard. And that is about it for that piece of news. Um... I do just want to quickly check, Gamal Yafai, I want to, want to look at that opponent, because I'm sure I've definitely seen that um, that name before, Diego Alberto Ruiz, 23-6 and 6 with a draw, um, been in there with Jack Bateson, ah, he was the guy that drew with Lee McGregor, there we go, he's been on the scene many times, been in the UK many times, boxed Shabazz Massoud, like I say, Lee McGregor, Jack Bateson, Michael Conlon, okay. Okay, okay, good chance here for Gamal Yafai to look good. Um, Coming back, I think, for the first time. I think he might have boxed once after losing to Jason Cunningham, but it'd be good to see him back. Um, Okay, that's it for the news. Like I say, moving on to the preview part. It's not going to be long now. Um, We've got three cards to go over. This one takes place on Saturday at the Bruce Convention Center in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. USA. Over here, friend of the show, Tyler Tomlin, 13-1. and 1. It's an eight-rounder. He gets in with Gustavo Vittori, who's 27-12 and 12, with a draw. All the best there to Tyler Tomlin. Good guy. Um, I'm not sure if he's still with Lou Bella. Uh, moving out now to pretty much the main card of the weekend. It's a really good card, actually. There's three fights on the card that are pretty much all 50-50s. Um, there might even be one or two more 50-50s deeper down the car, but these are the free um, it's going to be live on ESPN Plus at the Turning Stone Resort and Casino in Verona New York USA it's a top ranked show um heavyweight undefeated heavyweight from Italy Guido Vianello 10 and 0 with a draw gets in with Jonathan Rice 15 and 6 with a draw um <laughs> Jonathan Rice i mean you know he's upset A couple of prospects, obviously, namely, in recent times, Michael Coffey. That would be a really good fight. That's an absolute 50-50. The bookies cannot split them. Um, Oh, I wish that it wasn't a 50-50 fight in terms of the odds, because I would probably bet on the underdog, because I really don't know how that one's going to go. But I think Jonathan Rice might be... Oh, I don't know. I'm really... I'm really going to sit on the fence. Another good undercarb fight that's pretty much a 50 50. Adam Bluenose uh, Blue Lopez, 16 and 3 in a 10 rounder against Abraham Nova, 21 and 1. And the main event, another really good fight, Eddie. Um, Efia Jagba, 16 and 1, gets in with Stefan, I think it's Stefan Shaw, who is 18 0. It's over 10 rounds. Stefan Shaw is the favourite in that fight there. Effie Jagba expected to lose despite being in the home corner.
0: Wow. Um, I I don't know about the other kid, uh, Stephen Shaw, I think you said.
2: Yeah, Uh, I don't know. I don't
0: don't know much about him. Um, And he's, you know, he's supposed to be the, you know, the attraction. Well, I don't say the attraction, but the the, the main guy in the fight. So, I mean, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, you know, Effie Jagba, you know, they know something that we don't (laughs) or they really believe in what he can do. Uh, Because, I mean, I don't know. They obviously know more about this guy than I do for them taking this fight. And if you're gonna take a fight with an undefeated guy, you're you're gonna pretty you should know everything you need to know about him. Unfortunately, though, you know when you look back in my career, I've taken fights with guys who not who wasn't necessarily undefeated, but I had one loss, and I had knew I almost knew nothing about him. So yeah, there's there's uh, there's times where fighters just you know believe a little bit too much in what they can do, and and it's not even so much that. I think sometimes it's just you you feel like you get you just got to either and a you know. I'm sorry for saying it, but should have get off the pot. You know what I mean. You got to do something, and you know there's there's pressure coming from different places saying, hey, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta fight. You gotta fight. You gotta do this. You gotta do that. Uh, You know whether you're ready or not, or whether you feel like you know enough about the guy or not. Any of those things uh, could be the reason why he took this fight. I don't know, but like you said, you know he's in the home corner. The guy's still the, uh, still the, still the, you know, the favorite. So. Uh, we'll see what happens. I'm, t- I'm kind of interested to hear the result if I don't get a chance to see it, which I'm probably not.
2: Yeah, um, I can't really find too much on the guy boxed in the amateurs against Charles Martin, uh, boxed in the amateurs against a couple of other guys. But, yeah, he is from Missouri, 30 years of age, six um, 18-0, 13 KOs, managed by David McWalter. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. Got a, yeah. got a TKO win in the eighth and final round against Joey DeWayco. Um, what? Oh, snap. I didn't, yeah, but Joey, I didn't Dewey, know that. Joey DeWayco finished at this point. Um, that was that was uh, just just under a year ago. So, 2022 version of DeWayco. I think DeWayco is pretty much finished at this point. Um, um, Can't disagree with
0: that. Cannot disagree with that. It probably is.
2: Rydell Booker last time out in the distance with him. Uh, hmm, I don't know, beat Jonathan Rice back in 2016 before he was on a heck of a run, mm, I don't know, this is an interesting one here, I think I'm going to probably side with Effie O'Jagba, and if he's the slight underdog, then perhaps there could be some money made there, uh, but anyway, moving on to the final card, it takes place in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, over here, it is not televised, as far as I'm aware, but um, friend of the show, former world champion Mary McGee, 27-4. and 4. She finally makes her comeback, I believe, since losing to Chantel Cameron. I don't think she's fought since. Um, she is having this fight here at Welterweight over six rounds against Dahiana Santana. ...or Dahiana Santana, I'm not sure how it's said, 40 and 13 is Santana, all the best there to friend of the show, Mary McGee, who I haven't spoke to for quite a while, but we got along really well, me and Mary McGee, um, really cool character, but like I say, haven't spoke to her for quite a while, sadly, um, but yeah... All the best to everyone that we've mentioned throughout the show. In part one, we did the review part. Eddie did more talking than me. Then we welcomed our special guest. In part two, I did the news. We've just wrapped up the preview part just there. The final thing for me to do before we wrap up the show entirely is for me to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this brings episode 378 to a close. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to this week's special guest, the former middleweight... World title challenger, Mr. Liam Williams. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. There has been one piece of news to mention as well whilst we've been recording the show. And the piece of news is that we're going to see a top-ranked show on March the 25th. That's a Saturday night. We're going to see former world champions Jose Ramirez and Richard Comey get it on there over 12 rounds. No belt on the line, I don't believe, for that one. On the undercard, the co-feature, we're going to see a unification at minimum weight. Um, the the minimum weight category for the females. We're going to see the WBA champion Sinisa Estrada collide with the WBC world champion Tina Ruprech. That's about everything from myself, though. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.